everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. I would like to go ahead, dear listeners, and begin this episode with an amendment. I had mentioned in our previous episode, There's No Place Like Home, Part 2, that actor Carl Swenson had actually suffered a stroke in real life, which is something I swear I read in one of my Little House biographies. However, upon investigating once again, um, actually, that is not the case. So, quick apologies for that. Also, as a soft reminder for those of you who are listening to this podcast and and perhaps want to watch along, the series is being streamed through paid services such as Amazon Prime, Peacock, and Philo. And, of course, Let's not forget YouTube. It may not have all the episodes or the entire episode, but it's worth a shot as well. I would also like to give a nice little update about my New Year's goal of reading that book. Okay, maybe I'm just a third of the way through it, but there is still one more week. And before there was binge watching, (laughs) there was binge reading. So going to work on refocusing my time and definitely getting that book completed by the end of this month. And yes, I already have a book for February. Good luck. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Fagin and debuted on October 23rd, 1978. The episode was written by Carol and Michael Rochella and directed by Michael Landon. We begin on a shot of Charles slash Hal Burton bringing the cow home, calf, in the back of a wagon. And, well, I don't know why, but for some reason, this scene just makes me miss Mr. Edwards even more. P.S. As Charles arrives at Plum Creek, hmm, Plum Creek is looking a little dried out. Stopping in front of the barn, Laura, who's hanging laundry over at the side of the house, turns and yells out, hello. Charles invites her to come and investigate what he has in the wagon. And upon inspecting the contents of the wagon, Laura is thrilled. They can once again have butter. In the moment, Charles inquires, where's Albert? Laura mentions he's up in his room as she points to the barn. Albert runs out when Charles calls and is also very excited about this cow. In fact, Charles announces it's a gift for Albert, of sorts. More or less, it's the gift of education. As Albert is informed by Charles, there's more to life than this. More to farm life, that is. It's not just planting and harvesting crops, or gathering eggs from chickens, there's also livestock. Albert is excited to learn something new, and he turns to Laura. Did you hear that? The cow is mine. Laura rolls her eyes. No, I didn't hear that. I'm only standing right here. Just kidding. She admits she did, and no longer has any interest in the cow. Albert announces how excited he is to be raising this cow because eventually they'll be able to have milk. And Charles corrects him and tells him, good luck, 
getting milk from this bowl. Albert thanks Charles once again for the cow. Laura, what are you going to name him? Albert, once again proving how little we know of him, decides on naming the cow Fagin from a book he once read. Oliver Twist, Laura makes a snarky comment about this silly name, but there's an eye roll from Albert. Well, like you said, it's my calf after all. Inside the little house, Caroline is snapping green peas, and the best way to describe it, angrily, as she's preparing dinner. Charles, in the background, conceals his face as he's reading the newspaper, and Laura, Carrie, work on their homework, and baby Grace is present on the floor. Is nobody worried about splinters? As Caroline continues to snap those green beans, Charles, finally showing his face, defends the action of getting the calf. He's got good blood in his background. Caroline, still snapping peas, I can see about getting a heifer and getting milk and butter. Caroline continues by calling Charles not a cattle breeder, deflecting the whole argument. Charles compares Caroline's award-winning pickles to Albert learning about livestock and competing in this year's fair. Are we seeing the beginning of future farmers of America at this moment? Albert enters the house at this moment, announcing he has followed the care instructions in regards to Fagin. Hay, grain, corn. However, Charles takes a moment, raises an eyebrow. Fagin? Off to the side, Laura yells out, It was his idea! Not mine. And I'm a little confused. Yes, the name Fagin was Albert's idea, but whose idea was it to name the cow in the first place? Laura. With a um, subtle smile, Charles announces to Albert he shouldn't get too attached to the cow. The hope is that it will bring in a good price at auction at the Sleepy Eye Fair which we have no idea when that's going to be happening. And once Albert learns that there's a possibility of winning prizes for raising good livestock, Albert, overly enthusiastic, heads back out to the barn to feed Fagin more. Charles gets up and follows in pursuit to bring Albert back inside. But it's just right at this moment, Laura decides, oh, I just remembered. I got an A on my English test today. I forgot to show you. Even though she's already been sitting down at the table with Charles for quite some time. Charles, as he leaves the room, announces, I knew you could do it, and is gone. Laura, I can't help but wonder if she's having any sense of deja vu in this moment. As an afterthought, she also announces she was the only one to get an A in class. It's evening time. We're in the master bedroom. Charles is in bed talking about the calf and Albert. When I saw that calf, I just thought of Albert. Albert and that calf took to one another. I guess they were just meant for each other. Meanwhile, in the foreground, Caroline is uh, primping her hair for bed and applying, most likely, some lemon verbena. 
Charles continues to claim he's never seen a bonding relationship like Albert and Fagin's before. As Caroline starts to set the mood by dimming the lights, she mentions, it happens all the time. It's called love at first sight. An instant attachment. She proceeds to crawl into bed and the only thing missing is sexy fiddle music, if that's a thing. The two of them share a silly joke and then snuggle. We cut to school day. Don't know which day of the week, however, and this school building is full of students. It's absolute chaos. Until Alice Garvey arrives. Then it's a frantic game of musical chairs as everyone rushes to find a seat. A blonde-haired boy named Denzel is the last student to find a spot and is conveniently placed directly behind Laura and Albert. At the front of the room, Alice Garvey announces the topic for the day's lesson, um, uh, uh, the semester's lesson, is English history. And they will start with the ascension of the throne. And they are now set to task with listing and memorizing the royal monarchs. Alice Garvey takes this moment to mention they were all related in some way or another. Nellie and Willie look at one another before quickly glancing away. Alice Garvey then quizzes the class on who is the current ruler of the day. And Laura, definitely trying to be Mary 2.0, is the first to raise her hand and yell out, Queen Victoria. Correct. Alice Garvey continues that Queen Victoria's husband, name was Albert, and she had nine children before she died. Laura and Albert look at one another. Sitting behind Laura and Albert is still Denzel, who now has an active purpose in this episode. Leaning forward, he mocks Albert's name and is essentially teasing him for being an orphan. Overhearing this, Laura turns her head and glares at Denzel. In front of the class, Alice Garvey, and it should be noted that Andy Garvey is nowhere to be seen in the classroom. Alice Garvey is inquiring who's heard of the Battle of Hastings. Willie shoots his hand up. Nellie looks at her brother confused, and Willie announces, my mom and pa fought last night at supper. And, dear listeners, it's a reunion we didn't know we missed. Willie is sent to his corner. At the end of the day, Nellie and Willie lead the kids outside. Denzel tails behind Laura, Albert, and Carrie as they are making their way home. Goon. As Laura and Albert work on ignoring Denzel and everything he's saying, they choose to discuss the care of Fagin and also his lineage. Albert announces, Your pa said Fagin's father was a purebred Hereford. And making sure he is heard this time, Denzel announces, Oh, who's your father? This is what stops Laura, Albert, and Carrie and makes them turn around. Having their full attention, Denzel continues, He doesn't even know who he is. And there's a word for people like you. I can't use that word under penalty of soap in my mouth. Laura, doing what she does when she reaches her threshold, 
charges at Denzel. He laughs out loud. Are you gonna have her fight all your battles? Albert drops his books, runs, and jumps, taking Denzel down to the ground. Off to the side, Laura cheers, punch him! Apparently, even though Carrie's been exposed to plenty of stuff in Winoka, remember that time she claimed someone was trying to kill her? A small schoolyard brawl is too much for her to handle now. We cut to Carrie, running all the way home, and announces Albert has a bloody nose. Caroline calls Charles out from the barn as Laura and Albert arrive. He was defending my honor. Albert plays along, saying, Laura would have been hurt if I hadn't jumped in. Charles, you took on that big Macaulay boy? Cheerleading Laura, yeah, and he beat him too. Charles celebrates. Caroline folds her arms. He was in a fight, Charles. Laura, he did what he had to do to save me. Charles, off to the side, yeah, you know what that kid is like. Caroline, no, this is the first time we've ever heard of him. Charles takes Albert into the barn to clean him up and to also tend to Fagin. Caroline and damsel in distress, Caroline's words, not mine, damsel in distress Laura, head inside to start prepping for dinner. Laura stands there for a moment and watches as Charles places his arm around Albert and they head into the barn. Caroline, off screen, continues to call for Laura. From there, we get a montage again of Albert and Fagin. We get a clip of Albert leading a cow to water, or trying to, and eventually falling in because of Fagin. Charles is in the background, LOLing. We get a scene of Albert feeding that mixture of grains and corn to a shot of Albert coming out of the barn with a whole bunch of hay. And I'm not entirely sure if it's full grown, but Fagin is definitely a lot bigger. Nice time jump. P.S. Laura's inside the barn, watching from the shadows. It's just like the last time. Just kidding. She doesn't say that. Later that evening, Charles is out by the barn, smoking and watching Fagin. Laura comes outside, announces Albert is helping Carrie with her numbers, and Caroline is busy feeding baby Grace. The two of them have a moment, and in this time, Laura manages to set up a fishing date with Charles, because it has been a while. When Charles announces how much fun it will be to go fishing with Laura and Albert, Laura inquires if it could only be her and Charles. He agrees. We cut to that fishing date. There is no frogging, and thankfully, there's no messages in a bottle. Just Laura and Charles. Laura announces how she even made her pa's favorite sandwich, ham and cheese, and even made a carrot cake. Slowly, the conversation turns to Laura and how she is actually responsible enough that she could have raised Fagin all by herself. Charles pauses, then exclaims, I know that. Nothing can stop an Ingalls, right? It's just then Albert comes running into the scene. Fagin apparently has developed a bad cough. And in that moment, Charles not only abandons that ham and cheese sandwich and carrot cake, but also Laura 
by the waterside. We come back to the barn. Doc Baker is there with his vet cap on today. And hmm, somebody should have called Reverend Alding. This cow looks like it needs an exorcism. Fagin's eyes are rolled up into the back of his head. With a quick diagnosis, Doc Baker informs us Fagin has a case of husk, which according to Doc Baker is caused by worms in the lung tissue that got into Fagin's body by consuming pasture grass. We're informed that the treatment is rather risky. It involves an injection of chloroform, spirits of turpentine, and a little bit of cortisol as well as some additional medicine made up by Doc Baker and the best cattle feed possible. We're told it's a 50-50 chance and the next 24 hours are crucial. Good luck. Cut to dinner. Laura, Caroline, Baby Grace, and Carrie are eating. Charles enters through the kitchen door, serving himself and Albert up a plate of food and taking it back out to the barn. We're told there has been no change in Fagin's condition. As quickly as he came in to dish up some food, Charles also quickly exit. Laura tries to rush after him. However, Caroline stops her and tells her to eat her own food. Laura answers that she's just not that hungry. Caroline inquires if she is sick as well. There's a head shake from Laura. Caroline finally states that worrying about things won't necessarily change anything. We're back out in the barn. That cow is out cold. The closed captions say labored breathing, but I would also say snoring. Charles wraps a blanket around Albert, who has mentioned that he is cold, and Albert continues to question whether or not Fagin is going to make it through the night. Charles tries to ensure Albert that Fagin is indeed going to make it, after all, Albert did a great job with raising the cow. It's in this moment, Albert then inquires to Charles if he likes to be called Mr. Ingalls. Well, that's my name. Yeah, but not everyone calls you that. Charles admits, that's right. Some people call me Charles. Some call me Chucky. Some call me DJ Ingalls. Sometimes they call me Hey You. Albert takes this moment to explain that when he's at school, he is frequently asked, what does he call Charles? When Charles announces just to simply call him Charles, Albert shakes his head. I'm just a kid. It wouldn't be right. And beating around the bush, this is when Albert finally inquires if he can call Charles Pa. And in a surprising turn of events, rapid eye blinking Charles does not, I repeat, does not show up in this moment. However, permission is granted. Albert, elated, turns and says, thank you, Mr. Ingalls, before immediately correcting himself and saying paw. Albert pulls that blanket up around him and nestles into Charles's arms. Charles now has a son. In the next scene, we have a long take of a rooster on the fence. And in this moment, we find out Fagin has made it through the night. Laura, Carrie, Caroline, leaving baby Grace at the table, head into the barn to hear the news from Charles and Albert. Albert announces, me and Pa did it. Laura doesn't hear anything after Albert calls Charles 
paw. But FYI, Charles is hungry and breakfast is ready. As the family heads inside for breakfast, Laura stays behind and watches Albert feed Fagin. Laura then begins how she notices Charles didn't correct Albert when Albert referred to him as Pa by mistake. Albert, that wasn't a mistake. He continues how it's going to be easier for the kids at school to understand the situation. And with a smile on his face, he heads out of the barn and in for some breakfast. And I just have to say, Laura, in this light, I guess she could pass as a redhead. Inside, breakfast is being served. Albert, even though up most of the night with Fagin, had decided he's still going to head into school today. Laura herself is up in the loft. She's not feeling too well, and Charles heads up into the loft to investigate. We're informed Laura has no fever, no stomach pains, and no test to take today. Charles then offers to give Laura a ride into town. He has to head into the mercantile for some shipment, which Laura accepts. We're outside the mercantile. Mr. Olson is sweeping along as Charles arrives in his wagon with Albert and Laura. Seeing Charles, Mr. Olson then apologizes that the shipment did not show up today. Charles, eh, that's all right. The kids enjoyed the ride. At this moment, Willie, with a ball, and Nellie step out of the mercantile. Willie tosses the ball at Albert, and the two of them go run off to play. Not before Albert yells out, See you later, Pa! Before heading inside, Mr. Olson tells Nellie to have a good day. And Nellie, Oh, I will, Father. I will. As she approaches Laura. So, it's Pa now? Laura tells Nellie to back off. Nellie doesn't listen. And Laura then proceeds to deliver a right hook to Nellie's face. We cut to Plum Creek. Charles is there tightening a wheel on the wagon. Baby Grace is there. I don't know why. And actually, so is Laura, who is walking back home with a note from school. Of course, it says she's been fighting with Nellie Olson. Charles and Caroline inquire why. Laura, I don't know. Charline continue to inquire to Laura, but Laura, I don't want to talk about it. This is when it's announced that Laura must apologize to Nellie Olson, and Laura calls out the double standards. Albert didn't have to apologize to Denzel after knocking him down. Charles interjects, well, Albert had a reason. Let's hear yours. Laura shakes her head. She's still not sharing. They make plans to return into town to apologize to Nellie after school. And in the meantime, Laura is to wait up in her room. At the end of the day, Caroline and Laura walk to the mercantile. Inside, Harriet is stepping out of the kitchen with a steak for Nellie Olson's face. So unsanitary. There's a knock at the door, and Harriet Olson is surprised when she answers, You have the gall to show your face. Caroline mentions they're there for an apology. Harriet then allows permission for Laura to apologize. However, Nellie is not having it. With a stake on her face, 
Nellie yells out for Laura to stay away. However, Harry insists that Nellie listens to Laura's apology. There's a lengthy bit of silence before Laura begins, and when she speaks, it's mostly in a whisper. It's very, very soft. Once the apology is over, Nellie exclaims, But what about my dress? What about me? And we finally see Nellie's eye, and congratulations once again to the makeup department. However, she still has that stake up against her face. She doesn't even have it wrapped in any sort of cloth or anything. Gross. Harriet continues to belittle Laura, like she's not even there in the room. And while Caroline nods her head, Laura, you can tell she's getting ready to pop. In fact, she yells at Harriet, I said I was sorry, and bolts outside. Caroline mentions they'll pay for the dry cleaning for Nellie's dress and then heads outside as well. And outside, ooh, Caroline demands Laura to stop crying and explain. Laura begins about how everyone loves Fagin and cares about the cow, but what about me? And this is when, out of the blue, Laura confesses she thought Albert liked her. And I just have to ask, Laura, what gave you that impression? However, she continues, he didn't want me. He wanted Pa. My Pa. And she continues how Charles doesn't spend any time with her anymore. And Albert calls her Pa. I won't call him brother because he isn't. And she runs off, ignoring Caroline's yells to return. Cut to two days before the fair. Forgot that was happening. P.S. It's also later the same day after Laura's pseudo-apology. Caroline has returned back to Plum Creek. She can't find Laura, and this is when she heads out to the barn to have a conversation with Charles. And Caroline spills all of Laura's tea. She doesn't feel needed or loved. Taking a deep breath, Charles exclaims, Is she going to run off to the mountains again? Just kidding. As the adults are discussing this situation inside the barn, our attention turns to Albert, who is located outside the barn, and putting his own attention into Fagin's hooves. Heading over to the barn to grab a bucket, but no mop, he overhears, slash starts to eavesdrop on Caroline and Charles' conversation, and he is then informed of Laura's discontent and her feelings of being neglected. We cut to Charles heading out to that fishing spot he was at earlier with Laura. Laura is there tossing pebbles. Charles has come to apologize. He understands that by trying to include Albert as part of the family, he has directed some of his attention away from Laura. I've taken you for granted, and that's dumb of me for not sharing how much I love you. Laura gets up embraces Charles, and tells him back, I love you. P.S. This entire scene is shot from a wide angle and no close-ups. It's a rather strange scene. Back at Plum Creek, we find Caroline dancing with baby Grace. Albert is making his way down from the loft with a bag, pillowcase of clothes. Caroline offers to do the laundry for him, However, he turns it down, claiming he can manage it on his own. 
Outside, instead of heading over to the wash bucket, Albert makes his way into the barn and leaves a note with Fagin before wishing him good luck at the fair. The note says, Mr. Ingalls, farming is not for me. Say goodbye to everyone for me and thanks for everything. Love, Albert. P.S. Ask Laura to take care of Fagin for me. We cut to evening time, and Charles is getting home. They managed to discover the note earlier that day, and been out looking for Albert ever since. Upon returning home, Charles announces he's covered most of Hero Township with no luck. As Laura and Caroline stand in the doorway, conversing with Charles, Carrie sticks her head out. He promised we'd go pick berries tomorrow. Caroline ushers her inside and into bed. And in this moment, you can tell Laura is feeling some guilt. As Laura tries to comfort Charles, Charles admits, Albert always did what he pleased. That independent little cuss. Charles concludes, Albert is back to his own ways in the city. Laura, Pa, it's okay if you tell me you love him. And poof. Rapid eye-blinking Charles is back. We cut to it's fair time, and it's busy. Mostly what we are seeing are different booths who seem to serve only one type of product. However, they seem to have watermelon here. And before you know it, it's competition time. Those cows are out there being judged in a good way. Contestant 21 Definitely looks like a modern teenager with his haircut. P.S. Contestant 21 and 41 both have black cows, as does Contestant 32, Laura. As the judges deliberate, it's silence until it is announced number 29, 32, and 41 are the top three contenders and need to return in one hour. Our contestant 21 shows his unhappiness with the judge's decision. Charles congratulates Laura. However, Laura, giving credit where credit is due, says the only reason they made it here was because of Albert. He raised a winner. As the two of them take Fagin to prep him for the final showing, we see Albert peeking through at the scene between two fence boards. So, apparently he didn't go too far. He stays for a moment before heading off to the stables to check in on Fagin. However, Laura and Charles are still there. Charles inquires to Laura if she's nervous. Laura, no, I'll be fine. Charles then watches Fagin eat and takes a moment to look up and then spots Albert. And once again, they're off on a madcap race through a crowded area. And yawn, we have seen this exact scene already played out back in Winoka. Of course, Charles eventually catches Albert and demands an explanation. And Albert, uh, I, I met a man in town who promised me a ride to San Francisco. And a job. With the railroad. He continues that there are ships that arrive every day. There's always new things to see. Charles, not exactly buying it, 
that's not the life for you, Albert. Albert immediately questions, why not? Well, if it's not, maybe I'll just keep looking till I find a place. Charles, I thought you already had. Albert, turning his head down, oh, people just argue about me all the time here. Charles, well, they argue because they care about you. Albert finally states it. Well, I'm in Laura's way. Charles, slightly scheming, convinces Albert to at least say a proper goodbye to Laura, as well as to stick around to find out how Fagin places in the competition. Okay, I will, but then I gotta go. And those two show up just in time for the announcements of the winners. Third place, number 41, Rod Peterson of Sleepy Eye. Second place, number 29, Jesse Porter of Mankato, which leaves the grand prize at number 32, Laura Ingalls of Walnut Grove, who is already winning more prizes than Big Sister Mary ever did. Laura receives the blue ribbon and for some reason is given the floor for a speech and declares, I'd like to accept this award for my brother, Albert. And off to the side, young Charles slash Albert is not like rapid eye-blinking Charles. Albert is an ugly crier, but it's sweet. With that ugly cry expression on his face, Laura finally notices him, and they walk to the center of the corral, and they hug in front of everyone while receiving a round of applause. Charles, rapid eye-blinking Charles, announces to the person next to him, those are my kids. My kids. We get one final shot, Laura and that blue ribbon, and Albert, most likely thinking, we are family. I've got my sister with me. I just have to get this out there. It's not really trivia, but it's just funny circumstances. Over the winter break, I had a rewatch of The Crown. All of it. And yes, season four had its own Fagin episode. So when this episode came up, of course, my first thought was the monarchy and not Oliver Twist. And although I know it was just coincidence, I did get a chuckle later on in the episode when the kids are in school and they're informed they're going to be discussing English history and the monarchy up to Queen Victoria. Although that real life incident did not occur until July of 1982. So I know it's just coincidence, but what if the Prairie Verse was predicting the future? Again, time does not exist there. And dear sweet Doc Baker, chloroform injection, of course mixed with spirits of turpentine and creosote, but according to the CDC, chloroform can be toxic if inhaled or swallowed. It even states that exposure may cause cancer. So I can see why it is a risky treatment. And of course, will that affect the meat after? According to drugs.com, turpentine is used in some medicines for its antiparasitic effects, most notably used for the treatment of myiasis. P.S. You probably don't want to look that word up. It is gross. And the Cretasol 
has a history of being used as an expectorant. So thank you drugs.com for that bit of information. But that chloroform, that still makes me scratch my head. And with that, let's finally get to reviewing and rating this episode. In the great tradition of Jasper, Tom, Fred, a pack of wild dogs, wolves, whatever, and in some regards, Bunny. Fagin is season five's animal-centric episode. I don't know. There perhaps may have been another way for Charles and Albert to develop their new father-son relationship. Would we have been able to have gotten Albert to inquire if he can call Charles Pa, as well as Laura referring to Albert as her brother, if it wasn't for Fagin? Remember back in the day, season one and season two, when Charles used to do a bunch of woodwork? And sometimes he'd get cash, and sometimes he'd get a china set, and Charles could have used that money to get, as Caroline did say, a heifer for butter and milk. But no, once again, Charles dives headfirst into a career he has no idea about. I applaud his ambition every time. Also, since Charles has been doing woodwork for as long as Laura can remember, she wouldn't be too upset if Charles asked Albert to help out on some sort of contract carpentry woodwork job. And seriously, Charles, how is it you easily forgot the last time you neglected Laura and she ran off and climbed a mountain? It was also curious to note the um, time span of this episode. Fagin arrives, a calf in a wagon, and then he's... I'm not going to say he's full size, but he's on his way there. And I'm not entirely sure if a growth spurt like that is going to happen in a matter of a few weeks. So a few months have passed by and Laura hasn't said anything at all since then. She's been, she's been keeping it inside. And I still think there's a little bit of double standard here about Albert and Laura's fight. Laura punches Nellie, but refuses to explain the reasoning behind it. And when Albert punched Denzel in the beginning of the episode, he said it was to defend Laura's honor. And Laura went along with that, even though that's a little bit of a lie, because the only reason Laura was fighting was because Albert didn't bother to at first. But poor Albert, you know, he left the orphanage because of incidents like this, and he moved to the city, and he essentially blended in. Nobody said anything. And he moves to Walnut Grove, and he's here, who knows how many months, and it's just a repeat of being back in the orphanage. And I know the phrase, put a stake on it, is a thing. I just don't remember ever actually seeing it. And I know plastic wrap was not a thing back on the prairie, but at least put some sort of buffer between raw meat and your eyeball. Gross. However, one thing that is not gross is this week's Little House moment. And not to condone the actions of Albert or Laura, even though those fights were awesome, but after all the drama of moving away to Anoka, moving back to Walnut Grove, cleaning up the town and such, a simple scene of the Ingalls gathered around the dinner table 
putting the past behind them, and Caroline in the foreground, angrily snapping those peas, getting ready for dinner. This whole conversation between Charles and Caroline and getting the cow, I don't, there's just something back to basics about it. There's no other outstanding drama. The big issue here is Charles purchased a cow he really doesn't know how to raise instead of getting a calf that would eventually grow up to deliver milk and thus butter. It's just a straightforward scene of a prairie family back at home. So again, it was just refreshing. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. Again, animal-centric episodes are not always my favorite. And again, I can't help but wonder, could we have developed Charles and Albert's relationship without the use of Fagin? Again, one of the troubles with using Fagin, and thus the fair competition as a device to bring Charles and Albert together, is we have a lot of time between Fagin's first arrival and him growing up to be able to compete. And so it's kind of hard to imagine Laura is quiet all these, I'm going to say it, months that it takes for Fagin to grow to an appropriate size. And I am a little surprised that Charline, Caroline and Charles, neither one of them recalled what happened the last time there was a young boy in the house. The exact same thing that happened here. Laura felt neglected, gets really angry, and thus chooses an outlet that is mm, counterproductive, whether it be running away or punching Nellie Elson. However, it was really sweet at the end when Laura does finally call Albert my brother. Although it's never really explained, and I'm assuming it's just a sign of the times, why is being an orphan a negative thing back on the prairie? And I also just have to mention that Nellie Olson never learns. She's been punched in the face, what, four, five, six times? But yet... She's persistent. She gets up, is rude and mean to everyone again, and gets smacked down, but gets up once again. Clearly, after all these years, Nellie Olson isn't learning anything either, other than just how to be even more uppity than before. And again, isn't it a little unusual if your mom is the teacher that you should be in class? Andy Garvey? This episode had one job, and that was to bring Albert more into the fold of the Ingalls family. However, it just seemed like it took a long time to get there, and we could have gone a different route. So, because of that, we are going to give Fagin a 3.5 bonnet rating. And as always, those are some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode, any previous episode or season, or your overall view of this podcast. From Plum Creek with Love at Gmail and at Instagram, if you want to reach out. Remember, when you leave a rating or a review on your platform of choice, that helps to spread the word on this podcast just a little more. And I will say, there has been an increase in listenership, I've noticed. So, thank you all who are tuning in and checking it out. Spotify playlist is still growing. Check that out. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love. 
a Little House on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care.